keep you here um, too long. So as Pastor says, 6 p.m. good for everybody? <laughs> okay, just kidding. Um, hopefully I'll have you all before the hour is up. So I, I'm always, it's always a blessing to be up here, and I never really know what I'm going to end up speaking about until about a week before I end up changing a bunch of stuff. So this in particular um, is a topic that's near and dear to me because I think it's one that all of us can relate to. So if anyone, has anyone ever been anxious before? And if you've never been anxious, I feel like you're lying. But <laughs> anybody been anxious before? Yeah, right? I feel like everyone can relate to being anxious in some regard. And so I want to talk about us being anxious. And so the title of the message is Don't Be Anxious. So easy instructions, but maybe not always easy to do, right? So let's let's start actually with the text. Um, we're going to be looking at Matthew. And Matthew actually should be very familiar to those of you who are who attend this church and come weekly. We are talking about the Beatitudes which is the chapter right before this. So you should be familiar with with this book. But anyway, what I love about Matthew chapter 6 in particular, um, and if you don't have your Bible, don't worry, I have scripture up here for you. What I love about this chapter is how rich it really is. There's a lot of things that happen in Matthew chapter 6. For one, all the scripture is attributed to Jesus. So you guys know when you see the text in red, and you're like, what is that? That's actually Jesus speaking. So the entire chapter is that. And so what's interesting is that uh, we're going to focus on the end part of the chapter, but the beginning talks about not practicing your righteousness in front of others. And then, you know, should be seen by men, right? And then it talks li- after that about the Lord's Prayer. Do you guys know the Lord's Prayer? I feel like most of you know it. But in this chapter, it also talks about that. And then there's one last thing that it talks about. It talks about storing up treasures for yourself, not on earth, but in heaven. And this morning in Sunday school, we started talking about being satisfied in God. And so that's kind of where we're taking from here. We're going to take that and kind of expound upon it. I'm going to start with verse 24 because I feel like it paints a little bit of a picture before we get into um, the rest of the text. So I'm reading out of the ESV version, so it might read different if you have the NIV or King James or any other translation. And it says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory, and some say splendor, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, Excuse me, the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. All right. A weighty text. But here's one thing I want you guys to know is that anxiety, here's what it means, right? It's to experience worry, unease, or nervousness, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. So you guys know when you're uh, not sure about what's going to take place or you're a little bit uneasy about it, um, you might be a little bit nervous. Worry. Here's, here's where I want to concentrate a little bit. To think about problems or fears. Feel or show fear and concern because you think something bad has happened. But more often than not, we're usually worried about things that are going to happen or could happen. So hypotheticals. When was the last time you were worried about something that was maybe right now, but more so like, oh, my gosh, in a day, I don't know if I can pay my bills tomorrow. All right. One thing, and if you don't get anything, here's something that's interesting. Anxiety can show who or what we put our trust in. Now, all of us are anxious. We're humans. We have, we're hardwired. I know I'm more anxious than maybe most normal people. I tend to always think about everything. I'm a planner. And I was telling Sunday School this morning that I'm also a fixer. So I like to come up with solutions to fix problems. But that also can lead to worrying about way, look, he's already rolling his eyes, my dad. That can lead to worrying about what is going to take place later on. Because now you start to think about everything that's coming your way, right? Okay. So I'm going to give you seven reasons. We shouldn't be here too long, but I want to give you seven reasons why you should not worry. Before I get there, I want to say one thing about, about the word therefore when you see in the beginning. So at the, the beginning of the text when we saw not being anxious, no one can serve two masters. Before I tell you the seven things, I want to tell you one thing. There's this word therefore. And for those of you who you know, write and know a lot of things. That word usually means for that reason. So the reason I gave you that scripture right before is because when someone says therefore, that means something came before it that they want you to pay attention to. So here we see, you know, here's the, you can't serve two masters, and now you see this word therefore, so don't be anxious about your life. What's the reason? We don't want to store up treasures for ourselves. We're moth and rust can destroy, right? We want to store up treasures in heaven. Something interesting is that you can't serve God and money. So it's a very thing that we're seeing here talking about anxiety. Where is the root of a lot of our anxiety? Money, right? Right there. So you can't serve God and money. So now you've got this duality here going on where you can't serve both. But it's funny when we talk about food, clothing, those all cost money, which we need, right? These are all good things. Okay, let's take a deeper, deeper dive into this. It's funny because when we look at ourselves, how many of you feel like God has your back? Yeah, sure. How many of you feel like God has your back when it's down to the last six seconds and you're not sure? Less hands. Less hands. <laughs> Some hands, but less hands. But yeah, it can be hard. It can be shaky. It can shake your faith, right? These things are not are not always easy for us to do. But what's interesting that we see is that, one, that anxiety shows who we put our trust in, number one. And then also, we have to remember that God sees us as valuable. We are valuable. We are loved. 
and we'll talk about that this later, but there's somebody who died specifically for us to show us how valuable that we are. All right. Keep going. All right. Seven reasons why you shouldn't be anxious or worry. Okay. The first one, we're taking all of these specifically from the scripture, so you can't come back and say to me, she was not in her word. Yes. Taking everything from the Bible. The first one is life is more important than food, and the body is more important than clothing. It's interesting when we look at just the way we're sort of hardwired, and and again, as I was mentioning, what we've been talking about in Sunday school, as we looked at Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, it talks about being appalled that the nation had forsaken, the nation had forsaken their God, and that they had run after, that's okay, that's okay, they were running after uh, broken cisterns that couldn't hold water, and so they were seeking things in life and satisfaction and things that weren't God. So when we look at life being more important than, the, than food or the body, we have to look at the fact that stuff shouldn't be our priority, even though it's easy to make it, right? Because we, have a, we live in a society where it's all about the cars that you drive. It's all about the clothes that you wear. It's about what you look like. So it becomes easy to actually live that stuff out because that's what everyone is telling you to do. They're telling you to have a nice watch, have a nice car, and do all of these things. And so it's easy to make stuff our priority. But one thing that's to note is that life is more important than those things. Why, why is that? I wanted to read a quote from John Piper, and it says this. We ought not to be anxious about food and clothing because food and clothing cannot provide the great things of life. The enjoyment of God, the pursuit of his gracious favor, the hope of eternity in his presence, we get anxious about food and clothing to the same degree that we lose sight of the great purposes of a God-centered life. Amen. When we focus on those things, we lose, we lose focus of what God has called each and every one of us to do. What's interesting is, is in Luke chapter 12, it talks about a man wanting to build a bigger barn to store all his stuff. So we all have stuff problems. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of clothes. And it, it comes to a point where you're like, well, maybe I should just, I need more space. No, we don't need, necessarily need more space. We need less stuff. But, but we see that the man in Luke chapter 12 talks about building bigger barns and storing stuff because we just have a lot of things. What's also important to note is that if life is more important than, the food, than food and the body is more important than clothing, then what is the most important thing, Right? It has to be the fact that man shouldn't live by bread alone. And you can find that in Matthew chapter 4, verses 4. We can't live off of just food and clothing because we have a spiritual nature as well. So while, yes, we need clothes and, yes, we need food, there's more to life than the fact that you need to get dressed every morning, the fact that you need to eat. Did you know that? That God has created something for each and every one of you, a purpose for each and every one of you. And so that's where life is more important. So when it says that man shall not live by bread alone, Jesus isn't saying, I want you guys to starve to death. What he is saying is that I should be more important than that. All right, here's the second one. We can't add any time to our lives. It's a really simple one, but it's one that it's very hard. How many of you have tried to stretch time to get your way, right? You're like, oh, if, if I could just spend 10 more minutes or if I could just have 48 hours in one day as opposed to 24, then things would be amazing. Or how many of you, when you've had an issue, have actually been able to solve a problem by just thinking about it? 
now. Some of us are really hardwired to worry, and, and I, I'm the same way. I, I think a lot about things that are happening in my life. I'm always thinking. But the interesting thing that I think God has a sense of humor, uh, that the Bible says that we can't really add any time to our lives because it doesn't solve any problems. There's nothing that we can do to add time. Time is going to pass us by, right? So spending your time worrying about things that are happening in your life, well, yes, it's gonna, that might happen a little bit, but it's not a great use of our time because we're not being able to add any more time. We can't solve the problem just by thinking about it. So there's, that's number two. Number three. This is an interesting one. And I'll, I'll break it down a little bit because it's, it's basically God clothes the lilies of the field with splendor and even the grass. So what that means is that God adorns us. That means to make something beautiful. If you think about what he does for the lilies, Amen. that he has clothed them in splendor, right? There's splendor and there's wonder, meaning when you guys look outside and you see God's creation, how beautiful and vast it is. God did that. And even the grass, those two things are not humans, so they can't provide for themselves. Yet God clothed them even more than Solomon. Do you guys know who Solomon was? Very wise king. And we look at this as, as being the fact that God adorns his people, that God makes each one of us beautiful in a different way. And, and what I wanted to make sure that we know is that we shouldn't be jealous of somebody else's adornment. And when we look at worrying, what I mean by that is you shouldn't be jealous of what somebody else has. What they're wearing, what they're doing, what they're eating. Because God has adorned each and every one of us differently. And so for us to kind of worry about what other people are sort of doing, that gets us off track. And if the end goal is for us to look like Jesus, then us worrying about what everybody else looks like and is doing and we're trying to compete and play ping pong it's like okay you got one now I got one all right now you're doing this now I'm doing that we don't have to do that because God knows that you need it and if he can clothe lilies and grass that aren't even humans what could he do for us now this isn't to say some sort of prosperity gospel where it's like God's gonna make you all rich no but what that does mean is that God has is, is capable of doing anything for you guys He's capable of satisfying every single need. And if he can provide for non, for nature and non-humans, what can he do for his people? All right, fourth one. The Gentiles seek after these things. So again, we're looking at seven reasons why you're not supposed to worry, why you shouldn't worry. The Gentiles seeking after these things. Do you guys know who the Gentiles are? Um, when we look at Matthew in particular, it was directed at this particular chapter was talking to Jews because we talk when we look at that that phrase the kingdom of God you'll see the word the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 32 different times they use the word heaven because of the fact that they didn't want to say God out loud so we've got the kingdom of heaven being used here Um, and so comparing here is it says the Gentiles seek after these things that's talking about everybody else so pagans we're looking at the fact that pagans people who have no relationship with God They seek after these things. They worry about that. But you are God's children. You don't have to worry about that. All right. Here's the next one. It's pretty interesting. Very basic. But God is fully aware of your needs. 
I know that we are all concerned with life and with our finances and with our health and even with our families. And it's good to bring these things before God. It really is. But do you know that God knows that? God knows your needs before you even ask for it. He's very aware of all of our situations. And even if he doesn't change something right at the moment that you ask him to, that's not because he didn't hear you. It's usually because there's like one of three answers, right? It's usually yes, no, what's the third one? Wait, right? Wait. So God knows your situations. He knows your individual needs. He knows your concerns, and he hears them. But you know what? Even though he's fully aware of our needs, what does our worrying say about our faith? If we know that God already knows our needs, how does worrying change our circumstances? Or what does it say about us, the faith that we put in God? Does it say that, God, we think you might do it? Or does it say, we trust, I trust you completely? Now, I'm not saying this is easy because this is me. I'm talking to myself today. It's not just for you. It's for me too. But, but God is very aware of the things that we need, and he's not, but he does want us to talk to him. So. But know that he, he knows your situations. It's interesting because the Lord often rebuked disciples with weak faith. So when I say what does worrying say about our faith, I think we have to think about other people who were in similar situations that we were. I'm going to read you a few scriptures, and I don't have them on the board, but I'm just going to read them for you. But it says this, if you're taking notes, Matthew 8:26. if you want to go back and look at it. But it says, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, that's Peter, if you don't know, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Somebody was with Jesus, had him right next to them, and still was doubting. We're doubters too, and we don't even have Jesus. So it's like to think that someone who had him right there was doubting, that means this is an issue, right? This is something that us as humans we deal with. So it's not uncommon when somebody who had the ability to walk and talk with Jesus was, was also had their faith shaken a little bit and got nervous and forgot who was with them. Okay, another one in Matthew, Matthew 14, 31. It says, Jesus immediately reached out. Oh, is that the one I just heard? Yes. Jesus immediately reached took his, took hold of his hand, saying, Oh, you little faith, why do you doubt? Matthew 16, 8 says, But Jesus said of this, Oh, you little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? And I'm just reading a few. You can take these home, and I think I just read the second one twice. You can take some of these home. But, but again, God is not blind to our situations. You've got Peter. You've got various disciples who also had their faith shaken, who had their faith tested because their circumstances were more than the time that they thought that they could bear. And they lost sight of where they should have been looking, which was to God for his help, knowing that God is fully aware of our needs. Six. God takes our anxieties when we seek him. The scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. So when it, when it looks at why are you worried about all these other things, right, it's because we need to keep our eyes focused on something else. Not the stuff, not the fact that we don't have food or clothing, but keeping our vision focused on, on Christ. Keeping our 
vision focused on the kingdom. And so it, when I told you about the kingdom, what it really the kingdom is referring to, the kingdom of God refers to a sphere of salvation. It's really God's dominion over all those who belong to him. That's what the kingdom is. When we look at Jesus, he's a king, right? Okay. So we look at kingdoms. His kingdom resides somewhere in particular. It's in the hearts of his people. So when we talk about seeking first the kingdom, a lot of this was talking about salvation. But for you and me, seeking first the kingdom is remembering who we put our faith in. Because there is somebody greater than us that can actually help us with our issues, right? Can help us with our problems. Who is the one who's going to clothe us? Who's the one who's going to feed us? And again, like I said, God knows that we need it. And if he can clothe the lilies with splendor, then what can he do for you and me? I want to read you guys one scripture, which, of course, I didn't write it down, but I'm going to pull it up. It's Colossians 3.1. All right, give me 10 minutes and we'll be out of here. So I'm going to read you 3.1 through 4. It says, and I'll read this for you, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So it says, Christ who has been raised. Seek the things that are above. So very similar to seeking the kingdom of God. Making Christ not just the number one on the priority, right? He is the priority. So all of life revolves around him. I often hear people say, okay, well, today I read my Bible and I prayed. Now I'm done. But the reality is, as Christians, especially in 2015, God is a part of everything that we do. The conversations that we have, even on our jobs, can even reflect our own faith, right? I don't know how many times I've been in situations where someone's like, oh, you're a Christian? I could see that. And you're like, really? All right. Okay. You don't even have to necessarily bring up God in those instances. But it's interesting how God is interwoven and should be interwoven in every area of our life, from our finances to our clothing that we wear, right? to the food that we put in our body, everything should, we should be mindful of him first. And what I mean by even clothing, when we were talking this morning about idols in our hearts, and we talked about being and seeking satisfaction in things other than God, that you can seek satisfaction in other things. You can't serve God in money, because at some point, one, one gives, right? It's similar to the, 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 the parable about the rich man who came and said to Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom, right? And he was like, he's like, I kept all the commandments. And Jesus, this is me paraphrasing. Jesus is like, did you? And he's like, yeah, I kept all the, I kept everything. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I've fed the poor. I've given people this and I've done this. And he was like, okay, well, go sell all your possessions and follow me. And he turned away sad because he had amassed a great wealth. So we know that money and these things are hard. They are hard issues, and they are hard for us sometimes to part with. But when we seek God first and not the stuff, he'll take care of it. I remember when I was unemployed, and this is now over five years ago at this point, which seems crazy how time has gone by, but 
When I was unemployed, at one point I had no idea how I was going to pay any of the amassed credit card debt that I had. I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. I didn't know what I was going to do. I figured that since I was living with my aunt and uncle at the time, I could probably just like get their food so I wouldn't have to worry about that. But I was stressed because I want to be able to provide for myself. I want to be able to do that. And I was stressed to the bone. But what I had to do was remember that it was out of my control. The economy was, was what it was. But as God's child, I knew he was going to do something if I continued to seek him first. So I actually just started praying and getting on my knees and thinking about the things of God and meditating on the things of God so that I wouldn't be so anxious about all the stuff that I didn't have. And God has completely turned that around. Now, things aren't perfect, but God has given me a job that I've been at for five years. He's been moving me through the ranks and promoting me, which is something that I couldn't have thought. But again, it's the thought of putting him before everything and giving everything that you have to him. You guys, I understand that life is hard and that there are so many things that each and every one of us are dealing with, from death to all this. And so it can seem hard to say, oh, just seek the kingdom. That just seems sometimes so simple but that's actually the truth is that we have to remember even if it's hard and we have to tug and pull ourselves that God takes our anxieties when we give it to him all right number seven tomorrow is going to be anxious for itself that's why you shouldn't worry another reason you shouldn't worry because you guys we can't we have no control over what's going to happen tomorrow zero and as much as I'm a planner and I love to map out where I think my life is going to be in the next four years and where I think it's going to be even in the next month, I know that even in doing that, there's risk that I'm not going to be here. Who knows what could happen, right? We don't know. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. We don't know what God is, is doing. We don't know what he's going to change. And so by us worrying about tomorrow, which isn't even here, We're creating so much more stress on ourselves. We only have today. We only have today. If today was your last day, would you be okay with everything that you've done? This all making sense? All right. Cool. Okay, I'm going to be out of here in in two minutes. I want to leave you guys with some scriptures. Um, I didn't want to make this too lengthy, but I know it's it's a timely one because I know for, for me... The second we take our eyes off of God and the second that we sort of think we got it, that's when we get continual reminders that we don't got it. <laughs> we don't have it. We, we look at Israel who, even in looking at, at Israel and their history with their relationship with God, constantly forgetting what God did, having to constantly remind themselves, or God really, having to constantly remind them that he was the provider and the source. We're talking about manna, the manna and having, not having, living by bread alone. We even look at the Israelites in the desert. Because they at one point started grumbling. Well, we want meat now. Or when we were talking today about in Jeremiah, the people forgetting and seeking idols. Or even looking at Exodus. Do you guys remember when Moses was, was talking to God face to face? And Aaron was left in charge? What happened? Everybody was like, we don't know what happened. (laughs) Moses, eh, not sure if he's coming back. Aaron, we'll give you all our stuff. Build us a calf. So we we tend to forget what God has done when things are really good. 
and I'm guilty of that too. When things are great, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I've got everything I need. And then it's all of a sudden when we're in dire need of something is when we go back and remember. But how do we keep it so that we remember God throughout, right? It's that idea of, like I said, he's not number one on your list. Everything revolves around him. All of life revolves around him. He is the ultimate priority. I think that's it. That's it. But I'm going to give you a few scriptures as we conclude that I think are so important. First Peter 5.7. These are some scriptures for you to take with you, sort of think about when you're being anxious like sometimes I'm anxious. Cast all of your cares, and some says anxiety, right? There's that word, don't be anxious. Anxiety on him because he cares for you. The verse implies that anxieties are not to be carried. So when you're carrying your load, God never designed you to carry it. Leave it there. Now, we all have crosses to bear, yes. And I think God gives things, in our, places things in our lives to continue to remind us of who he is. We look at Paul. He had a thorn in his flesh. Now, we don't know what that was. But there was a constant reminder there that his body was failing, but that God was ultimately the supplier of everything that he needed. So when we talk about putting our cares, casting our anxiety, because God cares about us. He doesn't want you to be carrying things that you don't need to be carrying. Some of us are carrying baggage from 40, 50, 100 years. I know I deal with that too sometimes where I like start thinking about stuff and I'm like, ooh, did I not let that go? Sometimes we're carrying weight that we don't need to be carrying. We need to leave it. Jesus said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. That's Matthew 11:28. So one, think about this. All of you that are loaded with great weight, right, and burdened with grievous cares. That's what he's saying. Come to me. Come to me. We know that the Holy Spirit does the drawing, and we know that, that those that are labor and are heavy laden, again, that labor, that heavy laden, that heaviness, we can give it to God. There is rest in the finishing work of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm convinced that... A lot of the times when we are stressed and worried, it's because we haven't spent time in our Bible. It's because we haven't been praying. It's because we've let our, the weight of the world and our cares and the things that are, are simple, like eating and food, we let those be our master. We have taken those things and made them idols in our hearts. And we have let God sort of off in the distance. And when we're in a bind, that's when we come back to him. But he wants to be a part of everything, right? He wants to be, have all of our lives, not just part of it. And so my prayer for us is that we would let God be God and that we would let us be the ones who need to fall underneath him. Now, everyone's kind of looking at me like, what do I do now? <clears throat> I don't know each and every situation that you're facing but I do know that God said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We know he's with us. Some people are going to not have all their needs met. How do, we, how do we even reconcile people who don't get all their needs met? We have to look at that word need. God, when I said each of us has an individual thing and not to look at somebody else, God knows exactly what each one of you needs. So that might not be a lot for some. Because there are people who every day we see outside who, who might not feel like they have all their needs met, but God has given them just enough 
And sometimes it's, it may not be enough. But like I said, God has given us, each one of us, he's placed in us um, a desire for him. Something, those of us who know him, he's given us something to hold on to. He's given us something to hope and look forward to. When it talks about not storing up treasure here, there's a reason for that. Because it's going to go away. These things are not permanent. Tomorrow, if, if you go outside and you light a match to your jacket, it's going to be gone. Right? It's temporary. It's stuff. Somebody lit a match to your house, your house will be gone. Right? These things burn up. They're not something that we can take with us. It says, seek first the kingdom and all those things will be added. Because God knows that you need him. He, we know that he's the priority. All of life revolves around him. So my prayer is that we would seek him and seek him diligently. That we would run after him. When it is hard, that that's still the first place we run to. Not to our vices. Not to the things that we can't really control. Again, God knows your needs. And if he can clothe the lilies, and he can make the grass look the way it does, then surely he can care for us. All right, bow your heads. I'm going to pray for us real quick. God, you are awesome. And you are just a mighty and a glorious God. We thank you that you are mighty to save. That you, if we seek you first, that you'll take our anxieties away. That we, even if all of our needs aren't met, that you, God, are enough. Help us to be satisfied with you and you only. And that we wouldn't be worried about stuff because we know it's temporary and you know we need it. So help us to, to rest in the work that you've done. If we don't know you, my prayer, God, is that you would draw, that your Holy Spirit would draw and that you would save and convict. We know that without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission, and that word means forgiveness of sin. So we ask, God, that you would save lives, that you would change them, and that you would make our hearts to seek you first. Give us a heart that is only after you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you.